Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. I'm filling in again today. Uh, As you listen to Faith Radio and as you pray and as you go to church, you know, we desperately need thriving churches and ministries and spiritual influences in our culture today because money and power and success will never completely satisfy. So today we're going to talk to Jeff Simmons. He's the founding and senior pastor of Rolling Hills Community Church, and he's written this book. It's called the business of ministry and something that I have found working here at Faith Radio and something that I pray about and struggle about a lot is the business of ministry. Because like I just said, and what Jeff said, we desperately need thriving churches and ministries and spiritual influences. And that takes money, right? As you follow your call to help and love and serve others by sharing Jesus and making a difference in our neighborhoods and cities around the world. So, Jeff, thank you so much for taking some time today to talk to us on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Jeff, I will tell you, um, has has a couple of things going on, a lot of stuff going on. And really, he started uh, in ministry. He was surprised at how much of his time involved business. Yet, business was never a part of his theological education. And for so many of us that serve at church or in ministries. We're never taught this business part of the ministry, but it is such an important part. So, Jeff, welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. I'm blessed to be on today. Absolutely. We're grateful that you're here. We all need help. We all need guidance yeah. to become effective and wise stewards of of the money and the resources that has been entrusted us to God. I mean, there are so many times where, you know, the the just how people view sometimes the church or people view and you see pastors on TV or pastors on the radio or they hear a faith radio a fundraiser and they say, oh, they're, they're, there they are asking for money again. So how can you help us, whether we're part of faith radio here or we're part of a church or we're part of a ministry serving somewhere else to have the biggest kingdom impact? Yeah, that's such a great question. That's really why I wrote the book, Ben. I tell you, um, because I just started seeing the need out there. You know, uh, as you mentioned, I went to seminary, loved biblical hermeneutics and systematic theology. And I mean, I, you know, I kind of just spent a lot of time there, loved it. But then when I get out of seminary, you know, you go to work for a church and then it's like budgets and it was budget season. And I remember all the pastoral staff kind of going, man, this is crazy. And, and uh, by the grace of God, my undergrad was in finance. Uh, so I just went, yeah, this is a natural part of it. Um, but what I discovered, it was for a lot of pastors, a lot of people in nonprofits, a lot of lay leaders in the church. Um, you know, business is kind of foreign and and we we almost kind of separate those. We separate the business and the ministry. And yet when you really look at it, you study scripture, and Jesus talked a lot about money. Jesus talked a lot about us being good stewards with what God's entrusted to us. And so when I was looking around at more and more churches and nonprofits, I thought, wow, you know, 
we could truly maximize God's resources for kingdom impact in a greater way if we just knew some business principles and we're able to apply those in every area of ministry. Mm. Jeff Simmons, How to Maximize God's Resources for Kingdom Impact. You say that when pastors and nonprofit leaders are good at the business side of their ministry, more people can be blessed, more people can be supported, more people can be impacted. Um, Amen. What does that mean? How do you do it? (laughs) Well, I think some of it, you know, you just apply. There's some transferable principles from the business world that work in church. Uh, There's things that we just all need to get better at, too. We need to have financial integrity. We need to have financial transparency. And if that's not your gift, right, and and for a lot of pastors or for ministers uh, or people in nonprofits, it's not. That's okay, but we need to find good people in our church and get those people around us. You know, it's so important. When we started Rolling Hills, we planted the church 20 years ago. And I said, you know, we need to have a finance team. We need to have a finance and administration team. And so we have people in our church, lay leaders, who this is their, you know, sphere of influence. This is their expertise. And they come in and have really helped us over the years be able to to know about, you know, taxes and bylaws and, you know, all the things that that make a good business also make a good, healthy church. And so find good people around you, read the book, obviously the business of ministry, hopefully it'll help. Uh, And there's other great resources out there, but I think this is something that's so important for every church and every nonprofit. Jeff, you talk about financial transparency and working here at Faith Radio. I just have so many questions um, based on reading the book and, and the ability to have a conversation with you. What kind of financial transparency are you talking about and why is it hard for some people to be so transparent? Well, I think the big thing is just being able for everybody to see where their money's going, right? I mean, people who make donations to Faith Radio, you know, yeah. people who make donations to the church, you you give your tithe, you know, if you're at a nonprofit, people want to know that that's being used for the glory of God. You know, people want to know, you know, that that's being used in a, in a kingdom building way and not the pastor driving some Rolls Royce or, you know, Ferrari. I mean, I, there there is a part of stewardship. And I think we have seen some bad examples out there. I think you know, and that that taints people's opinion. And so being able to have financial reporting, uh, being able to have public record and being able to have discussions if people have questions. And the great part is so many people do that well, so many nonprofits and churches, but they don't let people know about it. And and there's healthy ways to know about that, you know, reporting the numbers in weekly emails or in, you know, monthly newsletters or, or ways just to say, hey, here's what has come in. And here's the things that we're doing. And when people see that, then all of a sudden it's like they want to give more, right? They want to go, oh, look, the money has been used really well. Man, we're taking care of our staff. We're taking care of the people in our community. We're taking care of the needs. And so it it unleashes even more generosity, I think, when you're above board and you report that well and you're transparent in your numbers. Hmm. How to Maximize God's Resources for Kingdom Impact. It's the business of ministry. Jeff Simmons is our guest on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. My name is Ben. You know, we talk about Faith Radio because that's where we live and that's where we work every single day. And there are conversations that we have and and prayers that we have all the time about how we can... not ask for money. I mean, that's our heart to to bless and honor and teach people, right? And reach the masses and and uh and and reach the brokenhearted and and tell people about Jesus, but there has to be unfortunately some money involved in the business yeah. side of it. Why do you think God set it up that way? Well, I think that God 
entrust us. We're stewards, right? And so I think God wants us to depend on him, but God also wants us to be, you know, generous. And that's how we grow spiritually. I think people want to give. I mean, you know, God talks about that. I mean, you go back to the Old Testament, right? I mean, if you look at the people, I loved, I was reading the other day, just in my own personal quiet time, you know, about the people giving free will offerings in the building of the tabernacle. And Moses had to tell him to stop. Right. He was like, stop, you know, you, you, you're trying, you're giving too much. I think it's who we are, right? God is a giver. For God so loved the world, he gave, gave right? So, I mean, that's the heartbeat of the Lord. And we are most like God when we give, I believe that. And so, so I think people want to give. I think it's in the DNA of every Christ follower. There's people who can't, you know, physically do things. There's people who can't go on mission trips or do things, but they want to support. They want to help. And so even in the Old Testament, you know, if you go back and study, people were probably giving about 25% of their income uh, to the work of the Lord. Uh, now, you know, then we see the Institute of Tithing and giving our first 10% back. I mean, God's very clear about that. You go to Malachi and he's, he's talking about that. Why are you not bringing the tithes and offerings into my storehouse, right? You know, bring so much in and I'll open the floodgates of heaven. Uh, and then we even see Jesus affirms that in the New Testament. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's like, hey, you know, you're, you're tithing even on the little things, but you're not doing these other things. You ought to do both, right? So there is this affirmation about how we use the money that's entrusted to us. And I think that keeps us dependent on God and allows us to invest for God's glory. God's sovereign. I mean, he doesn't need us, right? But that's how we grow spiritually to be more like him, to be conformed to the image of Jesus is when we give and when we participate in the work of the Lord. Yeah, I find it so interesting because God could snap his fingers or even think about yeah. thinking a thought um, and then just take care of all the situations. But he chooses to work through you and me and people listening and so many different people to come together to sharpen each other. Yep. To make an impact, to grow the kingdom, to witness, right? And he's using all of it in this way that I don't necessarily understand. And I'm so grateful that, that we're talking about the business of ministry today because literally it's probably one of the things that takes up a, a, a large portion of my heart and my prayer life working here at Faith Radio. How can we be the absolute best stewards? How can we pinch every possible penny to reach and impact more people in more places, more effectively, more efficiently? for the greater cause. And so this conversation about what we can do as people, whether we're working in a ministry like Faith Radio, whether you're uh, on a church board or you're serving or you go to church, there are some principles, some basic principles that everybody can use. And we're going to talk about that next uh, with Pastor Jeff Simmons. He's written this book. It's called How to Maximize God's Resources for Kingdom Impact. It's the business of ministry and why it is so important and what you can do you, me, all of us can do to greater impact the world. Next on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. This is Faith Radio. Hi, this is Bill Arnold. You might be the kind of person that goes to Paris and still listens to Faith Radio on the app. Or you might be more like the person that goes into the next room in your apartment and listens. The good news is, is using the app is just as easy in both places. Downloading the free app is crazy easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. 
And if you happen to be in Paris, there is a really nice little coffee shop not far from the Eiffel Tower that serves a really nice chocolate biscotti. Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Ben filling in. Our guest today is Jeff Simmons. And we're talking about the business of ministries. We're in this book. And I have a question for you. You know, we, we, we have to decide if we trust in God or we trust in money. And I know what you want to answer. I know you know what the right answer is, but money is vital to ministry. And while we depend on God to meet our needs, wisdom is needed to manage our finances properly. And growth requires taking steps in faith, even when it's really hard to think about the cost from a human or even a business perspective. So, Jeff, uh, the question that I have for you as we're coming back, anybody listening right now, no matter how you're serving or God has called you, what are some basic business principles that will help grow and achieve a greater ministry impact no matter what area we're serving in? Yeah, that is a great question, Ben. I really appreciate it. I think there's the the basic you know, business principles that you can apply, just doing things well on your money. I mean, like budgeting, you know, your revenue, your expenses, those things, it, it may sound simple, but we all struggle with it. We struggle with our home budgets. We struggle with our family budgets, but in any kind of ministry, looking at that and being honest with it, and then taking the time with a team of people, getting godly people around you and going through that together makes a big difference. I think the other thing is delegation. Right. I mean, you look at the early church, uh, that early church was not a small church. You know, we think about it a lot of times, but it quickly became a mega church. I mean, when they had 3000 people who, you know, received Christ at Pentecost and then were baptized. I mean, the church went from 120 to 3,120. And the next thing you know, then there were some disagreements. Like you go to Acts chapter six. Right. And how they were taking care of the Grecian, you know, widows and, and you know, break people were complaining that their widows were being overlooked. And so you go. Oh, wait a minute here. They called out men who were full of wisdom in the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter six. And they said, hey, we're going to put you in charge of this while we continue to minister the apostles, you know, to um, the word of God and to prayer. And so you see delegation, you see the multiplication of ministry. That's 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 a business principle. That is like empowering people to do work. And so that's, you see that from scripture though. Then you see, you know, they took an offering, right? You know, Barnabas sells a field. He brings the money, lays it at the apostles' feet. Then you got Ananias and Sapphira who lie about money. And what does God do? He strikes them down. And man, that put a fear into the entire church, but it was around money. It was around being generous versus being selfish. And, you know, so I think there's these principles that you see throughout scripture that are transferable to us today in every nonprofit, in every church. How do we do that well? How do we budget well? How do we, you know, empower people well? How do we steward what God has entrusted to us? You know, I, I completely concur with what you just said. And there are so many conversations that we have here at Faith Radio, too, about the early church. It seems like so many people are yearning for the early church, but the basic principles that that they uh exercised, and then the experience of the explosion of church, I think, uh, is hard for us to do in today's day and age, don't you think? Well, I do, and I don't. I mean, I think God's moving in a mighty way right now. I mean, I'm praying revival comes to our land. I mean, I really do. I think our people are ready. I think churches need to get ready, you know, and I think some, there's a lot of churches out there, and, you know, they're kind of it's just been like 80 or 90 people or 100 people, and you're going, wow, get ready. The harvest is plentiful, mm-hmm. but the workers are few. And as God sends workers out 
and the revival comes, your church is going to be full. So let's start planning, you know, not just for 100 people. Let's plan for 300 people or 500 people or 1,000 people. You know, the early church went from 3,000 to 5,000. It went to 20,000. And then obviously God used it to impact the entire world. So I think for all of us, you know, I, I talk a little bit about that in the book, just kind of even, you know, research and development is something that you see in the business world. But churches, we tend to kind of do the same things we've always done instead of looking for that next movement of God and preparing for it. And so I, I'm really passionate about that part of how do we implement business into the church so that we're ready for the harvest? Because I believe it's coming. I believe lives are going to be just transformed. I mean, where where else is the hope in our country today, right? Where else is the hope? You know, it, it's it's not in politics or in legislature. You know, it's it's in Christ and Christ alone. And so we have the answer. And the churches get ready. We're going to come. And God's moving. So let's get ready for God to move in a mighty way. That's so exciting, Jeff. We're praying for the same thing. We can't wait. But how do you, yeah. when you're when you're going to a church, I went to an Ash Wednesday service this last Wednesday where my uh, yeah. four-year-old daughter goes to preschool and they had a daytime service and you, you just kind of look around and, and you see, um, how do you get ready for the revival when you have a hard enough time keeping the doors open today? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I mean, that's where the balance between, you know, faith comes and finances come. But, I, I, you know, I think so often we, 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 it's the tyranny of the urgent, right? You know, so we get caught up in the urgent and we're just trying to make it through the day. And at some point, you got to lift your head above that and go, okay, how do I plan? And I talk a lot about that in the book. You know, you've got to have, you know, 90 day plans. You know, you need six months plans. You need two year plans. You know, we play it, you know, I play in sermons three years out. Uh, you know, we know where we're going to be because I want people to be discipled in, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, expository teaching, topical studies that we're raising up fully mature disciples. But I think the planning part is so important and, and, and to stop just living in the urgent and really looking above to say, OK, what what is my six month, 12 month, you know, three year plan here for growing this church or this ministry, you know, faith radio or what it is for the nonprofit because God is at work and we've got to prepare. We've got to prepare. And we've got to be ready. And so we can't just get caught up in, and I'm just trying to keep the doors open. I want to fling those doors wide open. I want people to be flooding in uh, and I got to be prepared for it. I got to be ready when they come. Pastor Jeff Simmons is our guest on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. How to maximize God's resources for kingdom impact, the business of ministry. And I just want to kind of double back on that question that, that I just asked, because, yeah. you know, as we were talking about, and you've written in this book about how pastors are trained and they go through a seminary and, and all of this schooling, but they aren't necessarily taught the business side of things. So as they try to keep the doors open and maybe, as you said, they feel frustrated. Or maybe they're, they feel exhausted. They just, they just don't know what to do. And maybe they are living in the moment. What's a first step today? What's a first step that they can take that will change their future? Yeah, that is a great question. And, and it is a tough time to be a pastor. I mean, I'm right there with all of my brothers and sisters out there who are doing ministry and serving on the front lines. Uh, you know, we've I, I read recently like that two-year time from 2020 and 2021 to be more pastors quit the ministry than any other time in history. And, and you can think about COVID, political issues that are out there, social issues. It's, it's hard. It's challenging. So what I would say is I just want to encourage pastors today. I want to encourage you because God is working and he's called you for a time such as this. Uh, I mean, the time, your time with the Lord is so important. It's so vital. You know, people say, how did you make it through that 
COVID time. And I said, well, just every morning, you know, woke up. The first thing I did was spend time with the Lord. First thing you do is being recharged with him. God, nourish my soul, right? You go to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Not he was, he is, right? And so I lack nothing because of him. So so our time with the Lord, we have to protect. And ministry, it's hard. I mean, there's always things that are coming at you, but carving out that time to be in God's word, prayer, and just knowing that my calling is from him and him alone. And then like trusting that God's got a plan and a purpose in this. And I can be bold. I don't have to live in fear, right? I can live in faith. I don't have to live like beaten down. I can live courageously for God. And, and God's going to take care of our, our deepest needs. Now, there's going to be all of these things that we want, but knowing that God's going to take care of my needs gives me the confidence to go forward in him. And so I think that's really the, the call that I would encourage each one of us. I mean, God is with you and God is for you. This is like David fighting Goliath, right? It seems overwhelming at times, but but he says, yeah, I come at you not with sword, right? I come at you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And so going forward every day in the name of the Lord God Almighty, that he is going to win the battle, that he is with you and he is for you today. Mm. Amen. Pastor Jeff Simmons is our guest on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. I'm filling in today. A couple of my favorite Bible verses that I just, I, I repeat over and over and over again, and just kind of echoing what you just said. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Or timidity, right. but of power and of love and of sound mind. And then the 10 finger prayer, which we talk a lot about here at Faith Radio. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then one of my favorite promises in the Bible, um, God promising to never leave you and to never abandon you. And I think if you tell, the, tell yourself those things and you focus on those things and you pray about those things, I believe you'll experience God in, an, in the most amazing way. Don't you agree? Yeah. No, oh, amen. 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 I, I'm right there with you. I love that. You're quoting scripture, you're praying scripture, living in scripture, and God's going to take care of you. God's going to bless you. You know, you hold on to him and you trust him. And it may not be in our, our timing, right? It's always, we want it, we want it right. now, but it's always in his timing and it's in his timing that we trust. So yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, I think about, as we talk about this, maximizing God's resources for kingdom impact, I think about Matthew 25, right? When, uh, you know, Jesus tells the parable about the man who goes on a journey and he calls his servants together and to one he entrusts five talents or, you know, some translations say bags of gold to another two to another one. And then he goes away and he says he comes back, right? And he gives an account. They have to all give an account. And the one who has five, he immediately went and put it to work and he gained five more. He says, look, master, I have 10. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the same thing with the two and the one with one, though, it says, I was afraid, you know, I was afraid. So I hid it. And uh, here it is. You're one back. And what does Jesus say? He says, you wicked, lazy servant. And that always caught me that Jesus is saying that. I mean, I, you read in Matthew 25, right? But he says, take the one from him and give it to the one who has 10. So I do think there's an accountability for how we live, right? And are we going to live in fear? Are we going to take the resources that God's given us, the opportunities God's given us, the money God's given us, and living in fear and bury it? Are we going to just say, God, here it is. I'm going to go all out. Mm. I'm going to invest it. I'm going to trust. I'm going to live it all for your glory. And one day, one day, every one of us hear those words we all want to hear, right? Well, well done. done, good mm. and faithful servant. Man, that's my prayer for every pastor listening. That's my prayer for every lay leader listening, whoever's involved in church. My prayer for every nonprofit leader because let's hear well done. Let's take what God has entrusted to us 
Maybe it's little, maybe it's a lot, but man, let's use it all for the glory of God. Amen. Jeff Simmons, and let's do it with bravery and courage because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And if you're struggling with anything we talked about today, Jeff's book is an amazing resource, How to Maximize God's Resources for Kingdom Impact. It's the business of ministry. And we believe that this will help you and uh, and your church and your nonprofit um, go out there and, and make a difference. Jeff, thank you for joining Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, Ben, it has been great to be with you today. So blessings on you and Faith Radio and all that you're doing for the glory of God. Bless you too. This is Faith Radio. Buying cocaine and preaching Jesus. I hope you didn't just drive off the road. Those two things don't go together, really, an unexpected combo. Um, and oh, probably a word you've never heard anybody say on Faith Radio before, maybe. Hi, I'm Ben, and I'm filling in for Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. We're going to have a conversation with a man named Dale Sutherland. He's the undercover pastor. For 29 years, until his retirement in August of 2013, Dale served as an undercover police officer, and he was buying drugs and helping those with fewer opportunities rebuild their lives through his ministry work as a pastor. At the same time, Dale's going to tell you more of his story. We're going to go into hard places and and hear about some hard things that God has called and has been calling Dale to do. And so, Dale, first of all, welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. We're so grateful that you've taken some time with us today. Great. Yeah, I'm anxious to talk. So you started as a police officer in Washington, D.C., and in the year 2010, you were named the District of Columbia Detective Sergeant of the Year as you were following a career in Washington, D.C. It's a pretty tough town to serve as a police officer. You did that from 1987 yes. to, to 2013. At what point did you become a pastor while you were also doing undercover work? Um, during the about the last uh, 12 years of my career, so 12 years before I retired, I became an official pastor at our church, and I took over the youth department then uh, there. So how did God call you into ministry as you're doing, like like your website says, theundercoverpastor.com, buying cocaine and preaching Jesus? So as you're doing some of this undercover work, some incredibly dangerous things, when did God all of a sudden pop into your heart and mind and say, actually, we'd like you to do this too? Well, I, I, I should go back. I, I was a, I went to Bible college to be a pastor, you know, and I, I planned to work with urban youth. And so when I got ready to do that, uh, I decided I just didn't know enough about the city. Now, this is in the 80s. And so I said, what if I became a policeman for just one or two years? I could learn a little bit and then I'd be a better, you know, minister to street kids and all that. And and uh, then I joined the police department. And I still volunteered with a lot of local ministries and stuff and helped out and whatever. But I didn't actually ever quit the police department. I loved it. And I ended up seeing the Lord use me there. So it wasn't until, what, I don't know, a little more than halfway through my career that uh, the, the the pastor of our church asked me to step in and be the youth pastor at our church for a short time is what we planned. It was just going to be three months. I was going to do both jobs. And instead, I stayed 12 years doing both jobs. Wow. That's intense, wouldn't you say? I mean, isn't it interesting how God takes you and and sometimes the road isn't always straight? 
Yeah, you know, listen, the Lord is is so kind, and and uh, and the fact that He uses me at all is the miracle, really. Uh, the fact that he used me while I was still employed at the police department and in the middle of some of these undercover operations, you know, it made it a little bit uh, complicated, you know, um, I at times so. I would be, yeah, at times I'd be at the church and I'd be doing counseling or meeting with a a, a volunteer or something. And then I'd get a, a phone call from a drug dealer uh, saying we were supposed to meet in two hours and I'd step out of the room and I'd try to, uh, you know, talk to this drug dealer and tell him where I was going to be and all that kind of stuff. And then I would be at sure I'd be in the middle of a drug deal and I'd get a call or a text or whatever. And it was before text. So calls, uh, from, uh, uh, church and they'd say, Hey, we need you at this, you know, Wednesday night prayer meeting or whatever. And I'd be, you know, so it was, it was weird sometimes juggling the two. Um, but, but he was honestly a lot of fun and it actually helped me as a pastor to be maybe a little bit more, um, understand, uh, to be able to understand, uh, the working guy who was out there. All right. This is an interesting conversation. Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. We're talking to the undercover pastor, uh, Dale Sutherland and Dale, if I'm, if I laugh, um, at you telling your story, it's because I find some of the stories, some of the things that you say, wholly unbelievable, as what you were just describing, how are you basically living two lives? I mean, it's kind of what it sounds like. Is that what you felt like? Yeah, sometimes like three lives because I also was raising three daughters, uh, my wife and I. And um, and so, you know, uh, but the cool thing was for me was God was gracious and I had a really great church that was very understanding and a really great boss, the police department, who was really understanding. And so between the two, it it's how it worked. It wouldn't have worked if I was in patrol or something, but because I was working in narcotics, I had a lot of flexibility and I was a fish, I was a supervisor. So I could, you know, move the team around and, you know, do deals around our schedule, frankly. Dale, did you ever come, I mean, because as a pastor, even as a youth leader, it's a pretty public job and you're doing things with a lot of different people and ministering and having conversations with families. Did you ever run into a situation where, uh, you ended up buying drugs or having to arrest somebody that you were also connected with in the church. Um, I bumped into a couple of times. Okay, so I was pastoring in the suburbs and policing in the city. Okay, and so um, yes, uh, what happened uh, several times was we would have guys we arrested or or even informants. We try to reach their kids, so we might invite them to send their children with us on a retreat or on a mission trip or something. I did that several times. And uh I know one time I was I was I was asleep or sleeping in a room with a bunch of high school kids and I remembered that one of the guys in there was the son of a guy I had arrested with 150 grams of crack cocaine. And I thought, well isn't this interesting? What what have I done here? Uh now at this point the guy had already been arrested and everything. So I'm not saying he didn't know I was police, but you know, if his son wasn't too proud of of my work you know here i am sleeping right next to him so it was a uh there were some some weird some weird combos but we had to keep doing both jobs you know right dale sutherland's the guest on afternoons with bill arnold today he is the undercover pastor you can learn more about him at the undercoverpastor.com one of the things that i find so interesting dale is that um your bio says that you were an undercover cop buying drugs 
and then helping those with fewer opportunities rebuild their lives through your ministry work as a pastor. How did that happen? So you, I mean, I, I'm picturing it right now that as an undercover police officer, you would buy drugs from somebody, you'd arrest them, and then would you minister the, to them after? Would you create this relationship, disciple them? What, I mean, how did that work? You know, I think this is an important thing. Um, if if you're a plumber or work in radio or whatever, we're all as Christians trying to spread the good news about what Christ can do if people repent of their sins and, and make him Lord of their life. We That's our message. That's our mission. And so I, I you know, tried to reach policemen that I worked with, co- co-workers, and then also arrestees, people that got arrested, not every time at all, but in the appropriate time, uh, I got to talk to several of them. And I remember praying in my office with a guy who is part of Mexican cartels moving around um, tractor trailer loads full of drugs. And we had caught him in an FBI uh, undercover and wiretap operation. And uh, on, I was there meeting with him. And, and uh, right in my office, we, we, we were able to pray together for him to receive Christ right mm-hmm. there in the office. So that happened some, but it didn't happen very often. You know, I arrested thousands of guys, but there are a few that, that even I'm still friends with now that, that, that came to faith uh, either directly through us or, or while they were locked up. Right. As you are living this incredibly dangerous life. You know, it, it, it just didn't seem so dangerous. I know now uh, somebody asked me last night if you were ever shot at. And so I went through, you know, multiple times that we were shot at. Um, but there at the time that that wasn't what scared me. There's lots of things in my life scare me, you know, scared me when my kids stayed out too late. You know what I mean? Um, uh, more than it scared me if I was getting shot at. You follow me? It wasn't like a, it was part of the job and it was happening fast. And we were in the middle of a lot of um that was kind of a culture that we were in at that time, you know? So, Dale, I want to insert myself here and ask a question. So you, you got all this going on at the same time. Was there ever a moment for you where you just stopped and asked God, why me? Why, why are you putting me in this position? Because I think a lot of us, myself included, go through life and we, we maybe question God or say, why are you using me this way? Or I can't handle all this, but here you are. You're, you're working multiple jobs. You're, you're living multiple lives almost in a sense. Did you ever have a moment of just wondering, why, why is this for me, God? Why are you using me in this way? And can you talk a little bit about surrendering to that and just surrendering over to God in the way he wanted to use you? You know, um, I would say that any human being has those questions. And then if you're a Christian and we know Jesus, we're, we're constantly asking him, what, what in the world? But my question might be a little bit different in the sense like, one, how would you use me, Lord? Why would you use me? In other words, I'm not qualified. I'm not godly enough. I'm not all those things that would be my concern. Then the second thing was, yes, sometimes it got so busy between marriage, kid stuff, uh, the, it was a big youth group and staff and, you know, problems there. And then there'd be problems at work. Yeah. I would say, Lord Jesus, what, what are we doing? I mean, what, am I doing the right thing? Should I quit the police department? Should I quit church? You know, that was always back and forth. Um, for sure. That was the rub. And I would say God's faithfulness was the key. Nothing good that I did, but it's just the Lord being so kind and guiding me and leading me through each step. Oh, just a fascinating conversation with the undercover pastor. His name is Dale Sutherland. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Ben filling in on Faith Radio. So many questions about his life on the, the, the police force in Washington, D.C., while also serving as a pastor and what he has done since. 
If you have questions, 877-933-2484 is our phone number. I'm just, Dale, I'm so grateful for, for your patience with me as I'm just so fascinated and just asking these questions as Jesus used you to be a light in some of the darkest places imaginable. I mean, you served over a thousand search warrants on narcotics and prostitution and violent crimes and documents uh, and firearms violations, all while having the heart of Christ and serving as a pastor. We have more questions for you in just 90 seconds here on listener-supported Faith Radio. Hi there and welcome. If you are a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome packet gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. He's an undercover police officer. He's buying cocaine and he's preaching Jesus. He has an undercover wife who doesn't believe in Jesus. But through uh, how God has called him and how he was serving, she did become a Christian. She did give her life to Jesus, and then he officiated her wedding. I mean, the stories that we're hearing out of the undercover pastor today with Dale Sutherland here on Afternoons with Bill Arnold are blowing my mind. So, Dale, thank you for thank you for your patience and answering all my inquisitive questions. It's just so fascinating how you served over a thousand search warrants on narcotics and prostitution. Some of the stories that you've shared with us, um, violent crimes, firearms violations, all while also being a pastor. So would you share with us one of your most intense stories about walking that fine line between basically being a police officer, undercover, serving in your church as a pastor, and then being a father to young children? Yes, I think the uh, when you look at some of the times when um, I, I worked undercover, I, I, I made a... Um, I did a lot of different undercover uh, businesses. So I would uh, I would set up a business on import export. I'd set up a business on uh, uh, um, being a, a studio owner, a, a studio like a DJ studio owner, so people could come in and record uh, recording studio. That's what I'm trying to say. And so I set that up and uh, did that with some other undercovers. Well, one of the undercovers was a girl that I had recruited. Uh, from the fourth district, she was in uniform. When I saw her, I said, "We need her. She needs to come over to." Uh, to so we trained her. She came over. She started working with us. And uh, before you know it, it evolved into a deal where the under the bad guys felt more comfortable with a beautiful woman uh, than they did with just me. So we would bring. Uh, she would come with me, and and we would do deals together. We would buy guns, a lot of different guns, and and also with another undercover. Well, eventually, I had to give a reason for why she was there. So um, it was my cover was that I had a lot of money. So I had a lot of jewelry and uh, high-end car and all that kind of stuff. And I was supposedly owned these recording studios and I was buying kilos of cocaine and and uh, even working undercover with guys that were doing bank robberies and that kind of thing, being part of their team. So anyways, I was doing all that. I introduced uh, this this other officer um, as my uh, as my fiance. Uh, now, of course, I was married. I've been married I'll be 39 years here this year. Um, and uh, and yet I had to, undercover wise, I had to act like I was a real slug, you know, that I was chasing women. And and this was my my fiance. She was obviously younger than me and prettier than me and all those things. So um, uh, we, her and I did a lot of stuff together and the guys loved her. I could bring her anywhere and she was a really great undercover and the guys loved her. Well, anyway, 
She was also living a really crazy life right then, personally. You know, she'd been through a lot of trauma and a lot of challenges. And so uh, myself and a couple of the other guys would would share Christ with her uh, a lot during that time. And I mean, this went on a year or so like you do with, with other people you share Christ with. Well, anyway, she finally came to the Lord. It was really a miracle that I didn't expect, frankly, my lack of faith. And uh, later, uh, she ended up uh, getting married to a guy from her church. And she called me up and said, could you do the wedding? Uh, or, or getting engaged and then to ask me if I did the wedding. So I had the pleasure of doing the wedding of the girl that I used to be engaged to uh, while I was working undercover. So the next question that I have for you, um, Pastor Sutherland, is how do you, as a Christian, reconcile living so many lies all at the same time? Well, uh, that is an issue, except um, uh, I lied all the time. I mean, I it was my skill was lying, you know, because I could lie. I could I was uh, I've been 15 different jobs. I've had everything you can think of. I could talk about things that I never knew anything about just to try to keep conversations going. All that lying, 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 lying about this girl, lying about friends and so on. Uh, and then living a very different life. Obviously, didn't tell these guys I was a pastor. So uh, how did I rectify the two? Well, uh, the Lord says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And as an undercover policeman, I, my job was to uh, was to convince criminals, really bad people, that I was a bad guy, too. I even posed as a pimp for a while and had uh, four or five prostitutes with me who were actually undercover policemen. And so I would go meet these guys in really seedy places and try to convince them that um, I was a pimp and that I also wanted to get into the drug game or I wanted to buy guns and 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 uh, and get guys' confidence that way. At the same time, I'm hoping that as soon as I get arrested, we could uh, see them come to faith. So it was a it was a bit of a conflict, uh, you would say. But <laughs> yeah. before the Lord and I um, and and my pastor. We try to take it step by step and try to follow the Lord as close as we could. You know, Galatians 5.25 says, keep in step with the Spirit. And whether I was out buying cocaine or buying a machine gun or uh, preaching a sermon, I was doing what Jesus asked me to do. And so I, I felt like I was honoring him. And I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for your grace and the questions that I'm asking because— um, how can you help the rest of us listening, whether you mentioned already during this conversation, whether you're a plumber or maybe a banker or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom? How do you do that with your whole heart in the way that you learned how to do it, providing you know this all of these double lives that you were listen, uh, living but being called to do as, as an undercover police officer? Well, well, first of all, let's be clear here. I'm no role model uh, because, remember, I'm going to tell you highlights of the 29-year career, and I'm I'm 60 now. And uh, so it sounds like everything went great. Well, it didn't always go great, you know? And that's the same for the stay-at-home mom and, and all of us as believers. We we drop the ball some, and and, and so, but in the middle of that world, and, and in the middle of the world, the one thing I, I think is encouraging to all of you is it used to be, when I first came to our unit, we had... Uh, we had prostitution. We had uh, uh, all within a 2.4 square mile radius in just the one district I was assigned. We had over 25 uh, open-air drug markets. I was immersed into a world of total debauchery. It was like Sodom and Gomorrah. And and here I am now, Bible college kid, immersed in this world. How do you live for Christ in the middle of it? Foul language, 
30 guys in my office, all but three of them are running around on their wives. It was a, a total shock, you know? But, but the truth is now, if I talk to most people between media, friendship, school, wherever you be, wherever you're at in life, it's often very similar. I mean, their lives are caught in the middle of this muck, you know, that used to be very unusual. My point is that you can walk with Jesus even in the middle of the filth and the difficulties of our culture and our world and walk with him as long as you are anchored in his word. Mm. You need to be in his word daily. That was critical for my whole career, meditating on his word, listening to godly people and um, um, praying and seeking the Lord and being led by his spirit. Those are the things that will work for a single mom or for an undercover policeman who's in a in a strip joint with a couple of guys from a cartel. Right. So it was the blood of Christ that kept you on the straight and narrow through everything that you were experiencing and going through and you know, uh, as an undercover police officer. Dale Sutherland is our guest. This is Afternoons with, with Bill Arnold today. It had to be the blood of Jesus. It had to be surrender nonstop, 24 hours a day, every minute of every day. Your prayer had to be, help me, Jesus, through everything, whispered on your mind, on your heart, because of all of the the temptations, I'm sure, and all of the ways that you could have gone sideways. Boy, isn't that true? But but it's, yeah, it's a mercy of God, isn't it? I mean, the fact that, that I am walking with the Lord today is not a credit to how great I am or how great any Christian is, but how great our God is. Amen. You know? And that's definitely my testimony over those years as a policeman, is he was faithful. Oh. I was not always, but he was always faithful. Right. I had a conversation with a guy named Steve um, a couple of weeks ago about the fact that um, he is struggling in his relationship with God because he feels like he shouldn't be loved. Steve himself feels like he shouldn't be loved because of what he's done or what he hasn't done in his life. Just echoing what you're saying, Pastor Dale Sutherland, the undercoverpastor.com. Um, God doesn't love you because of anything you've done or anything you haven't done. God loves you because he is love. Yeah, I mean, I tell Steve he's right. He doesn't deserve to be loved, and neither do I. Um, but that, that's the, the whole message of grace. Grace is much greater than we realize. That's why um, it's if we understand the depth of his holiness, the depth of the greatness of God, as we study the word of God, we learn more about him, and then it makes us rejoice more that he would love people like us. That's really the miracle, you know? And so the more we realize that, the more joy we're going to get day to day, by experiencing this wonderful, gracious God that can even put up with guys like us. Mm. And becoming more like Jesus shouldn't be complicated, you say on your website. Can you help us understand more about that and why we make it so complicated? Well, sometimes I think we add uh, to what the scriptures say. So the scriptures uh, uh, would lead us into how to how we come to faith. And often many faiths tell us there's 17 different things you have to do to become a Christian. It's not true. The work is done. Jesus Christ uh, paid the penalty for us uh, completely. Uh, it's a it's a big cost for us to follow him uh, in terms of our, our full heart, but discipleship with Jesus is following him day to day. While it may, may be challenging, absolutely, so is the rest of life, though, and we don't need to add 500 more things to it. The scriptures have called us to live a certain way. As long as we abide in him, walk in God's word, and as much as we can depend on his spirit to lead us, uh, we can actually rejoice in Christ. This can be a joyful life, not a guilt-filled, depressing, difficult life. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I hear you. And I love also what you say, that you believe that by coming together and supporting one another, we can make a difference for his kingdom. 
For sure. I mean, that's what the church does. That's why God invented the church is so we together make a difference. Whether I'm a policeman, you're on the radio, uh, both of us hopefully being used by the Spirit of God to to affect the world around us. Well, Pastor, before we go, you had mentioned during the break that you had a funny story. Would you leave us with some joy? We've talked about some hard stuff. We've talked about some things that have um, left probably most of us listening, um, just going, wow, that's that's amazing. Um, my, my life isn't that complicated. Will you leave us with some joy? Yeah, I mean, Lord, it's uh, saved me out of so many different situations. One time I put myself in real danger. Um, I was in the middle of a drug deal with a guy who was bringing in from a cartel in Mexico. He was bringing uh, drugs into Washington. And and while we were um, in this um, this deal, we were weighing the drugs on a scale. And um, he wanted we wanted to make sure I was trying to show him that what the grams needed to be according to how much we were paying per gram. So there's a lot of math in my job, believe it or not. So I handed him a calculator. I had in my pocket, a little teeny hand calculator, and he was working on a calculator. Well, the guys in the booth, like they were hidden in the closet next door, they started calling, blowing up my phone, like, get that calculator, get that calculator, get that calculator. They're like, what do they get so excited about? He's just going to type in the numbers and then we'll be done. Well, I finally got the calculator back from him. And on that calculator, there were three letters, um, D-E-A. So I had a DEA calculator in my pocket, handed it to a cartel member, and he uh, and he didn't even notice it and typed in the grams and the amount I owed him on the DEA calculator. We agreed, and we went on to buy kilos and arrest a whole bunch of guys from the cartel. Wow. Your life could have been over in just a split second if you put two and two together, if you even knew what the DEA meant. Yes. Yeah. I think everybody knows what DEA means. Well. <laughs> everybody knows that. <laughs> That's one thing. Yeah, right. I can't hide that. No, it's just my stupidity and God's grace. Oh, amen. Dale Sutherland, thank you so much for a fascinating conversation this afternoon on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Living for Jesus in our world is becoming increasingly harder, but becoming more like Jesus shouldn't be complicated. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for serving in the way that you did. Um uh, as an undercover police officer and as a pastor and for all that you do to connect communities um, and point them to Jesus. Thank you for being on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. You know, um, as we leave you today, I just want to remind you that 77% of Americans say that they're lonely. And if you're struggling with loneliness tonight and as the sun goes down and you feel all alone, I just want to remind you that God says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. And if you want, we'd love to remind you, too, on a daily basis. Text the word LONELY to 877-933-2484. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.